2: We are in James chapter 1, and today we're going to go from verse 12 to verse 18. Verse 12, blessed, happy, spiritually prosperous, favored by God is the man who is steadfast under trial and perseveres when tempted. For when he has passed the test and been approved, he will receive the victor's crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Now, James doesn't write, blessed is the man who never goes through trials. I would think that would be blessed, but he doesn't write that. He doesn't write, blessed is the man who never goes through trials or never endures temptation. He doesn't write, blessed are the wealthy who can endure trials in the security of their riches. He doesn't write that either. Trials are a fact, no matter what your financial status is. Spirituality does not eliminate trials, but changes your perception of them. For the people of God, trials strip away the distractions of the temporal to give way to a heavenly view. The godly experience the life of Christ to be more intimate and fulfilling than this world has ever been to them or could be to them. Notice it is not the man who suffers, but the man who endures, who is steadfast and blessed. They are blessed to know the love, care, strength, protection, and faithfulness of God. The crown of life refers to eternal life that is ours because of the life of Christ. Because he made us eternally new. We have the crown of life as new creations. We are eternal you see from god's point of view the trials and tribulations of life are a blessing not because they're they're fun not because they're without pain but because in them we enter into the manifestation of the strength of god in them we enter experientially in the truth of our god trials are part of god's plan for you are you excited they are temptations are part of God's plan for you John five twenty four. I assure you and most solemnly say to you the person who hears my word who heeds my message and believes and trusts in him who sent me possesses now eternal life that is, eternal life actually begins in the believer as he is transformed and does not come into judgment. That believer does not come into judgment and condemnation, but has passed over from death to life. Ephesians 2.8 For it is by grace, God's remarkable compassion and favor, drawing you to Christ that you have been saved, actually delivered from judgment and given eternal life through faith. And this salvation is not of yourself, not through your own effort, but it is the undeserved gracious gift of God. Eternal life is given by his life. He made us eternal so that we would ever be the children of God. His beloved forever. So that we would have a lifetime or eternity of communion with our God forever. He desires us Forever, Not just for a lifetime. Like we pledge to our mates. Till death do us part. Our covenant with God. The covenant that he made with us. Is by his love. Eternal. Eternal. He wants you for eternity. He made an eternal covenant. Swore by himself. That you would be eternally his. Maintained and held by him. You see, the revelation that we have here is probably just a very, very dim look at all the revelation that we are going to have through eternity. People talk of heaven like you're going to enter in and and you're just going to see it all and then that's going to be wonderful. Well, I remember when I first got my iPhone, I had it all. But how much did I know? Over time, God is going to reveal himself bit by bit, moment by moment into eternity where there is no time. You are going to be catapulted into the fullness of all that God has for you. This life is but a brief moment, a nanosecond in eternity. God is anxiously awaiting when you come. So that he can take you by the hand in a more connected way through eternity. I mean by that, that you won't be so obscured in your seeing him. That's what I mean. Your connection with him is as strong now as it will ever be. Now, we're going to talk about temptation. And I'm going to kind of take it apart a little bit for you. Because... I will tell you, most people, they want you to take it apart because they want to see how, at what point does it become sin? They really want to slice this thing as thin as possible, right? I mean, at what point did I blow it? I just want to back it up just a little bit so I don't go that far, right? <laughs> and and what, what actually is sin? You know, how much can I get away with until it becomes sin? Now, that's a carnal point of view, but many people are there, right? The reality is that... There is a progression of sin and every, bit of, every step of the way it has been your decision to go forward in. This is the point that is being made in verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For temptation does not originate from God, but from our own flaws. For God cannot be tempted by what is evil and he himself tempts no one. Let no man, not any man, not any man that's ever been created, say when he is tempted, it can never be said, when he is tempted, that I've been tempted by God. It can never be. Is there any way to escape temptation? Is temptation sin? The word tempted is pirazzo. And it is the same noun that he used in speaking of the trials earlier. And it means to try, make a trial or test for the purpose of ascertaining his quality or what he thinks or how he will behave himself. This is not the work of God. It is flesh aided by the enemies. We cannot blame God for trials and temptations of this life. They are the result of sin. And they are inherent in the body and all the temporal world. So sin is already in the world. We didn't bring it. But we had it through our father, Adam. When we became Christians, we changed the origin of our birth. Now we are sons of God through Christ Jesus. And we do not carry that Origin any longer. We are not birthed from sin. We are birthed from God. Christ did not come to deliver us from the sin in the temporal world. He himself endured these things. But in the process, he revealed himself as righteous. Christ came that we might be delivered from slavery to sin. Now because of the new birth, your sin-cursed body may be drawn to sin, but you can allow the righteousness of your new creation to be revealed when facing trials by refusing to yield and standing in truth. God allows what he could prevent that by the overcoming life we possess, we are affirmed in victory and endurance over trials and temptations. So, when you became a new creation being, did you get a new body? Anybody? Well, some of you may be mistaken. No, you did not. Did you get a new soul? No, you did not. You became new. Old things are all passed away. Behold, you became new. But the instrument of your soul remained the same. And the body that is still cursed by sin, you're still wearing. And because it is cursed by sin, guess what? The wages of sin? Death, right? Okay, so the new creation being is now living in the body. Paul addresses this in Galatians 2.20. But the life I now live... In the body. I live by faith. That's how we live. By faith. Right? So when we are tempted. Temptation doesn't come against the new man. It does not come against the new creation. The new creation is animated by the spirit of God. It is named by God to be the holy of holies. It is named by God to be pure, righteous, and ever before him. So we're not tempted in the new creation where we're tempted is in the body, the flesh every temptation comes against what? the flesh and the enemy's goal is not to get you to sin in the flesh but to get you to identify yourself as flesh so that you will multiply sin upon sin and become vulnerable to every temptation everybody get that? that is what the enemy's concerned with He doesn't care whether you rob a bank, or you commit murder, or you just kick the neighbor's dog. He doesn't care. That's not important to him. As long as you will own the action, because in owning the action, you own the flesh. And the flesh becomes you. And the flesh is now vulnerable of all things, to all things. And guess what? He can tie you up for the rest of your life, constantly accusing you of what has happened in your flesh. And boy, how could God ever save you? How could God ever love you? I mean, look at all the sin of your life. What he's saying is, your identity is in that sin-cursed body, and your behavior proves who you are. Well, God has something different to say about you. He says you are a new creation. All things, old things have passed away. That your body is not who you are. You are not a body with a spirit. You are what? A spirit with a body. Exactly. So... We cannot blame God for the trials and temptations of this life. They are strictly a result of sin. Christ came that we might be delivered from the slavery of sin. Now, because we have that new life within us, it is a matter of choice. Verse 14 says, But each one is tempted, and when he is dragged away, enticed and baited, to commit sin by his own worldly desire, lust, passion, then... When the illicit desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin has run its course, it gives birth to death. Do not be misled, my beloved brothers and sisters. Now, understand what trials and testing and temptation reveal is to be for our edification. God is not trying to figure you out. He's God. He already knows. He knows more about you than you know about yourself. God is not throwing trials your way or temptations your way to say, I wonder if he's going to go for that. No. He already knows. He knows who you are. And he really has no interest in drawing your flesh into anything because that's not your identity. What he's interested in is the result of it. He's interested in you knowing the truth of yourself. When we go through these things, it is to be a revelation to us. It is to be a revelation of the flesh. Because we should know that the flesh is not capable of any righteousness. Ever. It is the revelation of our dependency upon the flesh. We fall into sin, we see how we've been dependent upon the flesh. It reveals our reliance and our identity in the flesh and our attachment to the world. It tells us where we're not walking in truth. It is not to condemn us while it may condemn our behavior, but to call us to seek the salvation of the Lord in whatever we're going through. Do you see that? That is why you're allowed to go through trials and temptation. Not because God's trying to figure out whether you're good stuff or bad stuff. It says, but each one, and that's present tense, but each one is tempted. When is he tempted? There's the question. When is he dragged away, enticed, baited to commit sin by his own worldly desire, lust, passion? Where is lust generated? In the soul. In the mind, will, and emotions. Temptation begins in the soul. It's birthed in the mind, and then welcomed by the body and manifested. The word translated dragged away is the Greek word exelko. Exelko. It means to draw out, to lure forth. In hunting and fishing as a game is lured from its hiding place, so that man by the lure is allured from the safety of self-restraint to sin. In James 1.14, the language of the hunt, the hunting, is also transferred to the seduction of a harlot. This does not mean that free will is suspended. We choose to be drawn out cultivating appetites in the soul it's not in an instance usually it's over time that we cultivate a choice so we cultivate a lust which means a desire that is not necessarily sexual lust is the greek word that means a desire a craving a desire for what is forbidden lust is the greek word epithumia and it's is the thumia With a preposition at it. And it literally means, get this, it means desire of the soul. Desire of the soul. This work can be be seeded by any of God's enemies. But we choose to cultivate it rather than to take it captive. We sit and let it turn in our minds. We replay it over and over again. We focus on it. Like faith, it can begin as a small seed, but it quickly becomes a large tree that takes over the landscape of our souls. And that's what is described in verse 15. This will give birth to sin. Now let's look at that word sin as it is used in this verse. The Greek word hamartia is the word sin. And it's defined as missing the mark or to miss the path of uprightness and honor to do or go wrong. We're talking about behavior here, not identity. That's what we're talking about. Armatia is behavior, not identity. It's walking after the flesh. This plagues us while we're in the body. Only the flesh is susceptible to sin. That is why we are commanded to walk by the Spirit, not in the flesh. This is why Paul writes in Galatians 5.16, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. The word flesh that's in this verse in Galatians is the word sarks, And it refers both to the body and to its appetites harmatia is the fruit of walking according to the flesh or sarks. so when sin is conceived it will give birth to death both the inevitable death of the body and the death in circumstances of our lives death in a marriage I mean the end of a marriage death in parenting children desert you death in your job it becomes a curse rather than a blessing so The issue is my choice to live according to the flesh, which is destined to die, or to live according to the Spirit, which is life and peace. It's not because of my circumstances, and it's certainly not because of God. Verses 16 through 18. Do not be misled, my brothers and sisters. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of lights, the creator and sustainer of heavens, in whom there is no variation, nor rising or setting or shadow cast in his turning, for he is perfect and never changes. It was of his own will that he gave us birth as his children by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits of his creation a prime example of what he created to set apart to himself sanctified and made holy for his divine purposes okay do not be misled brothers and sisters it says stop James is saying stop being led away Get your focus off externals. Put your focus upon the Lord. Follow the truth of obedience. Follow the truth of His Word. Focus upon Christ alone. Stop being led away. You choose to be led away when you focus on the externals of life. When you're either sitting around counting your money or having a good woe is me going on over what you don't have. Both cases, you are fixed upon yourself and your circumstance. Stop being led away. The devil's lure is external. And the first thing he does is says, Boy, don't you wish you had a car like... Oh, uh, Paul's got? Man, don't you wish you had a car like that? Well, I can't afford a car like that. God, why don't I have a car like that? Where is my focus? You think it's for God just because I'm praying about it? No, it's on me. Stop being led away. That's your choice. Now... Every good and perfect gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of lights, the creator and sustainer of the heavens. Now, first of all, that is a title given. The psalmists, the Jews, the Hebrews, they gave God this title. And what it means is the one who holds literally all the planets in place. The one who put the sun in in its place, the moon in its place. And he is literally, holding all of that together now get this the God that is holding all of that in place who is sustaining all of that by his power is giving you good gifts every good gift in other words everything that's worth having has come from him not because you're good in your behavior Not because you're the most well-behaved or even the most righteous, but because he is good and you're his child. It's your choice. It's your choice to walk after the flesh. If you've embraced deception, that's your choice. Kill the seed when it comes to the mine and avoid the place of sowing, whatever that is for you. Verse 17 tells what we should already know. Everything that is good has come from his hand and reflects his heart for you. His heart is unchanging. His love is unchanging. His grace and mercy are forever yours and unchanging. You don't need more grace and mercy. You need to recognize that you have it. If you have been have seen a changing in your soul, if you've seen a shift in your soul, in your circumstances, in your your condition. It wasn't God who changed. God hasn't changed. God never will change. He gave birth to us knowing all the days of our lives from beginning to the end of our time on the earth. He calls you His own. Birth from His word of truth that we would be the images and reflections of His word. He is the creator, sustainer of all creation, who is holding all things together, including you. He has set you apart for himself, sanctified you for eternity, and made you holy for himself. Holy and uniquely for himself for eternity. Now, if you needed a reason to feel special, there it is. Because that's who you are. See, God didn't make a mistake with you or any of his children. He's chosen you uniquely for himself. Can you even fathom that? That the God of all creation has chosen you uniquely for himself. Think about that. Maybe that will cause you to pull your upper lip into place and form a smile and walk in confidence. Walk in truth. Walk in victory. Stop being deceived. Stop being led away. It's your choice. Thank you, Father, for the good shepherd, the good Father, who attends us in every moment. It's not like we have to run and find you when a decision is to be made, but we can trust and rest in you. But you will direct our paths and prepare a place before us, prepare the way before us. Even in the presence of the things that threaten us most, you bring forth provision and nurture that we could enjoy you. We can just sit on your blanket and eat and laugh and enjoy your presence. Even with the glowing eyes and the bush, we are not threatened. We are not afraid. We know the God who keeps us.
1: Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road, Blanco Woods, just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006.